Hello, friends, benders and non-benders alike. Welcome to Braving the Elements, Nickelodeon's brand new podcast about all things Avatarverse. I'm Janet Varney. And I am Dante Bosco. And we're so thrilled to be here together to celebrate this amazing world that Mike DiMartino and Brian Konetsko created 16 years ago. A world, might I add, that continues to grow even as we record this first episode of the podcast. So exciting, right, Betty? Totally. We are bringing this podcast out to the fans, but even before, way before this podcast existed, as you mentioned, we have the whole world of The Last Airbender. We have the whole world of The Legend of Korra. That includes, you know, video games, graphic novels, comic books. We are so excited to be a part of that and to really try to be this kind of source for all things Avatarverse. We're going to try to be. We're going to try to be that. Not only will we be doing recaps and discussions about all of the episodes we're starting this first season, of course, with Last Airbender Book One, and of which you play a giant part, my dear Zuko, but we'll also have a bunch of episodes where we do just talk to cast from the show, creators of the show, directors, writers. We're going to get in there and basically we're going to work every connection we have to get as many behind-the-scenes folks for you guys who are listening as we can, right? Yes, a deep dive, jump in. I can't wait to catch up with some old friends. Yeah. You know, and also, this whole world has marinated now for over a decade, 15 years for some of us in the first show. To see where it lies, you know, what what is life after? What has this meant to you? What, what are the crazy stories? Because I know I've had crazy stories with fans and not just fans, people within our industry, how important this show has become to so many people. I just can't wait to get into it with some folks and catch up and catch up with a lot of friends I haven't seen since the Avatar universe. Oh, it's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. There's so much to talk about. But before we dive deeper into the show itself and start talking about episode one of Avatar The Last Airbender, I do want to spend just a few more minutes talking uh, about us a little bit. You know, there are folks listening who probably only know us as the Fire Lord Prince Zuko and Korra if they've watched both series. But you have so much in your career beyond that. And I would love for you to just, you know, talk a little bit about it. I mean, you're a multi threat, right? And you've been doing this since you were tiny. You know, I always talk about myself. I always talk about me and my, my brothers, my, me and my family, because we all came to L.A. together over 35 years ago as a, a breakdancing group called the Street Freaks. And, and my name was Poppin' Fresh, because I, oh, I could pop fresh. and lock and, and I was fresh. And uh, this is the pioneering days of hip hop, but that led into my whole acting career, coming to L.A. and studying acting, and then from acting, producing theater, like yourself, and then led to writing and then ultimately producing films also and directing, uh, directing my first feature. Yeah, we run the whole gambit, Barney. I think me and you are both kind of renaissance men and women of, of Hollywood. And now I'm going to add podcaster to my resume. And podcaster. Varney, you're a veteran <laughs> podcaster. You're actually one of the first people that I personally knew that had a podcast <gasps> as I started listening to podcasts. Oh. And of course, I'm talking about JV Club. I've been on the show, which I'm honored to be a part of that. But uh, yeah, you're po- you've been a podcaster. Yeah, I've been doing the JV Club, which is a free podcast where I talk about people's teenage years with them. And I love your episode because obviously you were doing stuff that not all teenage gentlemen can say they were doing, like being in certain movies as certain Rufios, etc. Um, that was sort of the latter part of, I think, the, the age range that we were talking about. But you were playing uh, this sort of rebellious teenage boy. So we had this perfect 
like synchronicity of talking about a fake teenage boy, a real teenage boy who's super talented, <laughs> aka you. Now I love JV Club because it's you know obvious it's your initials, but it's also junior varsity. It's like what we were doing in junior varsity of our life. That's right. Such a charming and cool podcast. Well, thank you so much, my buddy. And very few people realize the JV Club means two things. So I want to give you a major shout out for calling that out right now. Oh, hey. I thought that was <laughs> so... evident. I thought that was self-evident. <laughs> That's why you're amazing. I love podcasting. I've been doing it. I've been doing that show for nine years. I've been doing a show called Voyage to the Stars, which is an improvised space comedy podcast for three years. And getting to kind of bring my podcast background into braving the elements and getting to do this with you feels like such a perfect marriage for me of these different things I've done, right? I've produced comedy. I produce a, a comedy festival and I act and do podcasting. And then, and then I was also a voice in this avatar verse. So it's like my favorite things coming together. Well, thank you for, uh, you know, bringing me into this whole podcast universe. It's my pleasure. And, you know, I'm going to bring you back to Sketchfest as many times as possible because it's so fun to have you up there at that dang thing. Greatest, funnest uh, adventures in the Bay Area. Beginning of every year, the funniest people doing funny things. I just try to fit in when I'm up there. Yeah. And then, of course, I, I've had the immense privilege of of playing Cora for, for four seasons of the show. And I know we'll talk way more about that stuff when we move into the seasons of The Legend of Cora. For me right now, this is all about the Avatar, who's known as Aang, and Team Avatar, which includes Zuko. But I'm I'm so, so happy to be here. And uh, and I can't wait to, to really just dig in. And we're going to become experts. Yeah, we're going to become experts. I like, to, I like to think of us as the OG crew. You know, you guys come, you guys save the world later on, but we, you know, we, we saved it first. So we're going to the first saving of the adventure. I salute you. I bend, I bend a knee. I curtsy. I bow. Yeah, I do it all. Well, thank and you. I high five. Thank you, Cora. And now, uh, if you could indulge me, I would love to talk a little bit about your experience being Zuko. Mike and Brian didn't sit down with you and say, all right, this is who Zuko is, but this is where he's going. This is going to be his no idea. arc. No arc discussion at all. <laughs> I feel like your performances in these first episodes are so strong and there's stuff you don't even know about yourself. So that must have been, that's just great acting, my friend. And I remember auditioning for Zuko and I mean, they're like, you're auditioning for Zuko and I'm at Nickelodeon Studios and literally they're all in the booth behind the glass and I'm like, this guy's name is Zuko, like like Danny Zuko. (laughs) (laughs) From Greece. (laughs) And then I get the picture of the guy. He's doing a kick and he's wearing his armor and he has his ponytail, and he's bald, and he has this massive scar on his face. And I'm just like, who's this guy? What is going on here? <laughs> what is this dude? And mind you, I'm pretty new to voice acting at this time. I don't know. Had you done a lot of voice acting before you started Cora? No, I hadn't. I was, I like you, I was mostly on-camera stuff. And um, yeah. I never thought I would get the part, ever. I mean, I was just honored to... Honor! Honor! I was just honored to even be considered, because I didn't have a ton of, of experience. I connected with the character, because, you know, especially at that time in my life, I was going through a lot of stuff. And then also, when I got to work with uh, the late, great Mako, who originally played mm. General Iroh, and then he was yeah. replaced by... Greg Baldwin after his passing but Mako had played my father or my uncle several times throughout my career on screen so we already had a really beautiful relationship and it was always good to see him week after week and just catch up to him he's like my he's like my uncle like in real life you know and someone throughout my career I think the first time I worked with him I was 12 years old and uh throughout my career throughout me 
becoming, you know, a young actor, an upcoming actor. He would always give me advice and look at my career. And he's just one of those prolific, you know, Asian American actors that we all looked up to because he's had such a great career and has done so many great things. And so that was a very easy relationship for me to have with with Mako and get I get a kick at him doing some of the, the scenes and when you're in the moment of doing things a lot of times as actors you're not really thinking any foresight you don't even know if the show's going to get picked up you doing the first few episodes in the back of my mind I'm like this is not even a Nickelodeon style show to me like this is right. not Spongebob or Cat Dog or Dora this is something else and I'm like I don't even know if this is going to really really work with anybody but <laughs> sure I think Nick, Nickelodeon's used to hearing that because I think we all ever you know everybody kind of went okay all right okay this Nickelodeon you're epic. trying something new yeah okay this is cool and so especially this first season like I have no 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 true memory of planning anything it was just what was my kind of uh my goal in the scene what was my goal in this episode where was I at I knew Mako all right, and then I knew I wanted to go capture this kid, and I thought, you know, I keep missing him. I was like, am I Wiley Coyote? Like, what's going on here? I can't catch this Roadrunner dude ever. What's happening? So let's, um, why don't we take a little break so that we can get into recapping episode one, The Boy in the Iceberg. Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Whew, okay, we are back, my friend. This is a tall order. It's a big undertaking. You ready to start recapping episode one? I am ready. I mean, let's let's begin the adventure. Here we go. Season one, book one, Water, episode one, The Boy in the Iceberg, written, of course, by Mike DiMartino and Brian Konetsko, brilliant, 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 and directed by the great Dave Filoni. Now, trying to describe the first episode of Avatar The Last Airbender with just a couple of sentences is kind of impossible, because I'll tell you right now, a lot happens. If we wanted to just do a very, very quick summary of the episode, and I do mean quick, we could just say something like, on a fishing excursion, a brother and sister from the South Pole Water Tribe find a strange boy and his air bison within an iceberg. And once released, the boy brings adventure and danger to all around him. I mean, listen, that I, that I, that's a very basic. That's pretty quick and concise. Well, there's a lot I missed. There's a lot I missed. I mean, there's just so much going on in this this first episode, and even within like the first five minutes of the show, right? I mean, we get our introduction where all of a sudden you have this amazing animation and this immediate, like, n- little nutshell explanation that we hear from Katara, um, the great Mae Whitman, saying giving the whole sort of like, hey, this is what you're diving into, right? Welcome into our world. You're coming into this world where this has happened. This is where we are with things. These are the four nations. This is the way it's divided up. This, you know, there was, there's, there's this one person who's tasked with kind of keeping balance between all of these, these different groups and he's disappeared and no one knows where he is. And I think he's going to come back someday because right now there's a big war happening and there's a nation that's trying to take over everything. And anyway, welcome to the show. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I got to watch that, just that, like four times. I know. Let's start with the opening. It's brilliantly written and brilliantly animated. I mean, you you see this world. It, 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 the tone 
all of a sudden, I don't know what you're doing. The original kids that are like probably 12, 13, coming home from school, and they're turning on Nickelodeon. Immediately, you are portaled into another world. I mean, yes. that's how brilliant that that opening is. I mean, yes. I've been to cons where I'll come out and someone will say a line, and the whole room says the whole monologue yes. together. Yes. And you're like, that, I mean, that's, it's become like, you, you get know, like, goosebumps, you know, we, that energy. Totally. Like, we grew up with like the Brady Bunch theme, the Fresh Prince of Bill Air theme. It's like, it's like become, I mean, and not in the comedy sense, but in that way where everyone knows every word and every knows every beat of that opening. And it's, you know, of course, it's said at the beginning of every episode. So, yeah. It's just, and it's brilliantly done. And like you said, I, it's so, I love that. it's so perfect. Yeah, I love that comparison because I never thought of it as sort of a song. And it doesn't surprise me at all that, you know, you're a musician and you and, and you do spoken word. And so that really is kind of even more of a bridge between this idea of an opening theme like music. You know, in this case, this opening song is spoken word. And it is. It's these it's yes. lyrics. It's this way in. It's this almost an incantation. This is the thing that you click your little red magic shoes, you know, together. And that transports you into this world is this are these opening words and they lay out what is going on and it's may whitman's voice and may may whitman unlike us is a pro legendary voiceover <laughs> actor <laughs> she was it is from a tiny 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 child she, from a tiny child and comes was. from a line her parents are voice actors like she knows what she's doing so we continue on. We have this amazing introduction. You know, then there's just like, and I'm not going to describe shot for shot the show because we will be here all night. But, um, you know, even just this like sweeping, you know, it's again, it's like epic, epic, epic. I can't stop saying the word epic. But it's this sweeping view of, you know, you're in the sky and it's almost like you're in a helicopter. Or in these days, I guess it would be a drone. But you're flying over the expanse of this Arctic sea. And then, and so you're, you get this kind of bird's eye view and then you come down and you settle on this who we find out to be a brother and sister from a South Pole water tribe and and they are fishing they're looking for fish you know we already know that the the men in the tribe have gone to try to help in the earth kingdom as the fire nation is waging war and and looking for this sort of world domination and I know we'll talk about this in later seasons but I always think it's important to remember the difference between sort of the ruling class of a nation versus everyone else in it. I don't want to spoil anything but I think many people have already watched the whole series but you know the difference between what you experience of a land and a village within a nation where the the leaders may have a different priority does not necessarily extend to the people who live inside of it and I think this this show is is definitely going to go there but we don't know that when we start right all we know is this fire nation wants to be in charge of everybody and everything all the time and this this little tiny tribe has lost all of the men warriors to that endeavor and all that's left are these two the, the two oldest kids are Katara and Sokka and it's like okay what are you gonna do how are you gonna help how are you gonna get the tribe through it's already heavier than any other cartoon out there at its time I know it's in, so in by like 10 tons like we're talking about possible genocide, uh, ruling class, oppression, uh, topped with, you know, like you said, you come in and you have these David Lean-esque, Dr. Zhivago, snowy landscapes, you know, yeah. and you're like, yeah. where 
what are we doing? Like, yeah. what's going on right now? But within this kind of like heavy drama that you, because the tone, the music is orchestrated in this very, like I said, David Leanish kind of way. Even Star Wars, like, has this like really, ep- we keep saying epic. We probably have to put a dollar in the jar every time we got to say epic. Epic, 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 epic. But then it'll flip tones and all of a sudden there'll be this brother-sister banter. It's so great and funny from the top, from like the second line, like, the third line is like, every time you play with magic water, I get wet. And we get it immediately. This show, you know, you, like you said, we have these, these icy world. And then they juxtapose it to all of a sudden this Fire Nation ship and a whole nother world. And it becomes, I mean, it becomes like Game of Thrones before Game of Thrones. Ooh, I love that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's because it's another way of saying epic. You managed to skip out on saying epic. I, I didn't say that. it, though. I didn't say it, but I said yeah. We're yes. going to grow our universe of words. we know katara has some sort of power to manipulate water but maybe she doesn't quite know how it works yet we know that sokka does not have that power right because when he gets wet when she manipulates the water she says to him i'm not the one who makes muscles at myself every time i see my reflection in the water so some people have it some people don't have it some people have it some people don't have it and he even says oh so you have this power that is specific to the history of our tribe but you know you don't know how to use it because there nobody else has it we sort of get a a sprinkling of that really early on and then while they're arguing all of a sudden we realize that these two are in the rapids and your first thought is wait a minute i don't feel like there are river rapids uh necessarily in this arctic climate i wonder what caused that iceberg rapids exactly there's no iceberg rapids but the two of them were fighting huh i wonder if that has anything to do with it and then Sure enough, once things kind of come to a head and, you know, they both sort of like flop off and, you know, Katara hits the ground with a thud and everything kind of calms down again. But then we see right away as she riles everything back up, everything gets crazy again. And that is how we end up with this image of what is this thing that is like rising up out of the ocean? Should we be terrified? Should we be excited? What is it? Sokka, very, like, resistant, like, let's not do this, let's not do this. And Katara's hitting the iceberg, and it cracks open. Well, she sees, she sees the boy in the ice. And there's a beam, right? She, she's like, we need to get him out. Yeah. And there's a yes! beam. And it's yes! the title of the episode. It's yeah. the boy in the ice. But they forgot to say the boy in the ice with another big animal. Uh-huh. Uh, that happens <laughs> yeah, to be. Poor Hoppa. At least he wasn't alone for that, that long, for about 100 exactly. years. Exactly. So we see the beam, we meet Zuko, and right away it's like, this guy has one priority, it seems like. Right. He's actually the opposite. Now that I watch it again, you know, you see the banter, the brother and sister, ultimately you see Aang, then you see this other teenage kid around the same age with a whole different personality. With a whole, those guys are so kind of like happy-go-lucky, even though they have pain and strife in their life, because I believe Katara really expressed that we've lost all the men of our tribe like you're the only one left trying to play warrior and so you're understanding the situation but there's still the lightness of their 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 energy in the piece right and then you you juxtapose to this other kid and this other kid is like the weight of the world is on my damn shoulders all the time all the time and and you and and really you're like, well, who is this guy? Like, what what's he doing? What why why is he so mad? Why is he so? And he has this. And then also the introduction of General Iroh, which is one of the most beloved characters in the whole show, and one of my favorite characters. 
it's such this ease character that comes in and just plays every every moment like it's just perfect i mean even watching again written perfectly animated perfectly performed perfectly by mako and uh just great timing i don't know it's just one of those perfect every now and then there's like a perfect character that is written and and put out there in hollywood and I feel like General Iroh is like one of those characters. I totally agree. And you don't, I mean, talk about a relationship that evolves and that you don't really know, even just within the little, because we do go, of course, back and forth between the sort of Zuko world and the uh, Katara and Sokka worlds. And we bring in our avatar, of course. But even within the kind of jumping back and forth, just the amount that we see about Zuko and Iroh's relationship it expands so much. Yeah, I mean, where we get to with Iroh is a whole nother, you know, mind-blowing experience later on. But at this point, he's like almost like a, a doting uncle over, yeah. you know, this kid with power. We don't know if it's a rich kid or we don't know if he's yeah. just like a royalty kid. And, and the uncle's, you know, he's like, Zuko's like, I, I think the Avatar is there. He's like, don't get your hopes up high. You know, he's very the maid in... In in, in in Romeo and Juliet, like he has yeah, this thing yeah. where he's like, take "Oh, you're breath, just like this doting. Take a, take a breath. Don't take life too seriously. It's don't be disappointed again. You know, you're always about this. It's going to be about this, and and that's what we feel the relationship is at first. But then, it, of course, it grows and goes to different places from there. Yeah, absolutely. And then, meanwhile, we're back when we when we pop back with Katara and Sokka, and we see the blo- you know the snow. Uh, blowing away we see the boy kind of come out she's Katara's broken him out of the the iceberg and he appears and he's got the glowing eyes and we don't know what that means yet he's glowing his eyes are glowing this seems like there's something on his body that's glowing what's happening it's yeah, kind of scary bald. he has a blue arrow he's, on his he's head. bald there's some kind of blue arrow business happening Sokka's like whoa, whoa 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 and Katara just instinctively immediately is is she's not worried and he sort of tumbles into her arms and that's kind of when we get our first taste of uh ang's crush on katara of katang the katang the katang ship the katang ship makes itself known debuts the debut of the katang ship it definitely debuts oh by the way this is kind of a fun tidbit if you have the art book for the first sort of like art book that encompasses the whole series of last airbender you may already know that mike and brian wanted to they actually wanted that kind of nucleus as they call it they wanted that ang and appa and the iceberg to kind of be slowly rotating almost like a planet sort of rotating inside in the air bubble inside of the iceberg but it was just too hard to animate and that's the kind of thing where you see all of the animation that goes into this show and you go, that's where the line had to be drawn? I want to get into it in this podcast because I have no sense of what's too hard to animate, what's easy, you know what I mean? Was like, it hard back then? You think it's easier to animate that now? You think they would have animated that now? I mean, probably, but some of the hand-drawn stuff that, you know, this these shows have such an amazing combination of hand-drawn and computer when they needed it, um, but it's, you know, the richness of the design and and... I mean, it's just it's just amazing, and we'll get into that this season for sure. Yeah, there's a feeling about watching the show again now. It's like, uh, and again, this is 15 years ago, right? The original episodes, and yeah. it was probably 16. drawn a year, 16, so a few yeah. years before that. The show there's just learned a, to drive and got their license. There you go. It's almost it's legal. It's almost legal, but it's 
it has a timeless feel to the show. The way oh, yeah. that they drew it and the way the characters are and the way everything is, you can't really put, you can't say, oh, this is a 2000 show or a, you know, it doesn't feel like that. It just feels like a timeless show. And that's, that's a great feeling about the show. I couldn't agree more. Now, let's be honest, buddy. We would not be talking Avatarverse if we didn't talk about the animals. Yes, all the, the wonderful animal kingdom. And slightly different than our animal kingdom in this world, you know. It's a, uh, I mean, hybrid animals, I guess. Or, or what, what? How do you see them? Yeah, yeah. I think that's a perfect way of describing it. Although, we actually have kind of a special way we want to keep track of all the animals we meet this season. I'll tell you a little bit more about it in just a sec. Okay, as promised, now it's time for a special segment we are calling Animal Crossing. That's right, Animal Crossing. You know what, it's only fair that we get to use that name because the Avatarverse truly has been crossing animals since episode one, right? Yes, before before the popular game, we were crossing animals far before that. What game? I don't even know what you're talking about. We don't know what we're talking about. All, all, <laughs> I, all I know is... Uh, D. Bradley Baker's sound should be somewhere around us right now. All the different sounds that D makes for all the different animals. I couldn't agree more. So Animal Crossing is our way of checking in on and keeping track of all of the amazing hybrid animals on the show. So in episode one, of course, we meet Appa. We know Appa's an air bison. They'd never expressly say it in the show, but the creators reveal that it's a bison manatee combo that's the inspiration is a, is the way a manatee swims through water is the way that that appa flies through the sky and we see when the beam shoots up out of the iceberg we see uh those tiger seals they look like they're part tiger part seal that's pretty self-explanatory and then we have those those penguin otter otter penguins i am looking at a manatee right now i just looked it up varney yeah because I was unaware exactly what a manatee looked like. I've heard about them. I know, I know about it. Then I said, oh, that's yeah. the manatee. And actually, the way this manatee is pictured here floating across the water is very much Appa-esque floating across. That the, the classic shots of Appa kind of relaxed floating across the sky is the manatee. That's the manatee silhouette. Because Brian absolutely loves manatees. Who can blame him? I mean, who would have known? Manatees are so charming. I got to swim, not with one, but like with a manatee? I was swimming and then there happened to also be a manatee in the Gulf of Mexico. Where were you swimming? In Florida, like a million years ago. And there's manatees there? There's manatees there and they're so slow moving and gentle and sweet that people, that they like bump up against little small boats and stuff. And so you have to be careful because they're just these like gentle, sweet. How big is a manatee? pretty big i mean i want to say it's like hippo size that's big yeah they're really big they kind of slump over they kind of got bad posture for a a, a water animal <laughs> they slouch i don't know how good your posture has to be if you're a water animal i don't know how where that you're weightless you should have no posture problems that's a good that's actually a really good point okay we got to get back into our official recap of the boy in the iceberg by the time Aang's come out and Katara's got him in her arms, Sokka's like, all right, I'm out. Like, I'm done. I just want to go back. This all's too crazy for me. I can't wrap my head around it. I got to get out of here. 
realizes, wait, where's our boat? I have no way of doing that. And so Aang offers to fly Katara and Sokka back to their village. Um, and Sokka says no. Katara says yes. Ultimately, Sokka ends up grumpily sitting on Appa's back. And everybody's like, oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. The flying bison. And Aang gives his first ever yip, yip, at least that we hear. And then he sort of flies and then flops into the water not unlike a manatee, and sort of swims them back. A wet bison. Yeah. First of all, that boat that they have is not very impressive, all right? It's a, it's a canoe. Yeah. It's a two-man canoe in the Arctic Ocean. Like, that's not the boat I'd want to be in ever <laughs> in that surrounding. That's you not comfortable. You know what? You say that because you've got this fancy Fire Nation ship, albeit a crummy one that got, like, leftover so you took some leftovers i mean i got like not the best one i don't got the newest one off the lot but i gotta you know i gotta ride you know what i'm saying you gotta ride i mean zuko's rolling like i have a i got people working on the ship i got like a cook i got all kinds of stuff going on i got people making tea for my uncle i think about that ship and the wall of that village i got so angry but we'll get to that We'll get to that because it's coming Things up happen. in just Things. a minute. <laughs> Things happen. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> it's the process. Everyone's in their process. Everyone's in their process. And then they point. have this little boat. They have this little damn boat trying to, you know, canoe around. They have a paddle. What are we talking about, Sokka? Sokka. <laughs> Listen, they're doing the best they can. They're doing the best they can. And they can't, at that point, they hadn't even caught a fish. So I th- the adventure they're having with, with Aang already might be, now they're hungry, but it's a little bit more of an adventure than they were having. The other thing is they got Aang. fur coats on, Varney. They got fur coats on because they are a water tribe. And they got these nice, really nice fur coats. But like Aang got like maybe a linen like linen clothes on you gotta say if listen if you're an airbender you need to wear something light and airy and you're it's gonna be cold bro he seems okay i don't know what's happening maybe he's he does seem okay but he needs some more layers appa got that first so he's fine he's absolutely fine although they both sneeze a fair amount so i guess when you when you come out of an iceberg turns out you do get a sneeze that's how he revealed himself as an airbender Remember they said, what's your name? He says, he's trying to say Aang, and he's, and he's, achoo. And then he flies 10 feet and comes down the side. Another yeah. very funny, comical, you know, physical comedy moment. And that's his reveal of being an airbender. Is it as funny as Sokka getting covered with snot? Because that also happens when Papa sneezes on him. <laughs> Sokka's, Sokka's like That's a good the, Nickelodeon the, moment, because that's some green slime right that's there. A good so look. that takes us back to classic OG Nickelodeon. Double dare. Double right. dare. Green slime. <laughs> right. Slime time. That's right. And so you were bragging on your ship, uh, Zuko's ship. This is where we really hear, right, the first time that Zuko says, like, this is about my honor. Whether or not when I was like, you know, your the father and your grandfather have looked for the Avatar. They failed. Why do you think you're going to be any different? What does Zuko say in a nutshell? I must capture the Avatar and regain my honor. That's the first this is the first yeah. episode he my drops. My honor's it. on the line. I got to do this my honor's on the line. And then he calls the avatar a coward. And you're like, "You know what? If you think that the hero of the world has been hiding for 100 years, it's fair for him to think he could be a coward, right? I mean, it's kind of fair." No, we don't know what this avatar has been up to as, as much as we know he's been hiding. But what's crazy is we were talking about performing this character. We were so in it just doing these lines and doing these scenes. By the time it, I found that I got popular and we started doing cons and people were like 
joking about honor and telling me to write honor on pictures. I was like, why? Like, what? What do you want me to write? And they're like, write. Can you write for your honor? And I'm like, what is going on? Like, do I need someone needs to explain this to me? I had no clue until a fan gave like shot me over a YouTube video where it just had me saying honor like a thousand times. And I was like, <laughs> oh, it never occurred to me that I said honor that many damn times. It wasn't funny to Zuko. And it was not funny to Zuko. It was it's not definitely. it was not funny to Zuko. So I guess it's a good it's a good point as an actor you're not thinking about the jokes outside you're yeah, just Yeah, you're not thinking about your catchphrase. You're thinking about the No, I wasn't thinking about no catchphrase. Yeah. I was thinking about regaining my damn honor. That's right. That's right. And never getting it. I'm never getting it. We'll see. Oh. I am so excited that you said we'll see because that was like the perfect foreshadowing of what's to come. And it reminds me of another official Braving the Elements segment that we are going to be revisiting a lot this season. It is something we are calling the Foreshadow Report. Not to be confused with spoiler alert, right? Not to be, it's not a spoiler alert. No spoiler alerts here. And we'll be the foreshadow reporters for the foreshadowing news network sometimes to see what, what what may possibly come up even though we know you guys know exactly what already happened they already know varney i know it's a it's just kind of a way of of showing you that we love and respect you and we assume you've probably already seen the show yet our intention is not to spoil things for newcomers to the avatar verse it's just so hard not to not to project ahead because so much intense great stuff happens in this world so when we catch ourselves doing any spoiler alerts we will let you know. Yeah, we'll try to catch ourselves so that we don't do all the spoilers. So then we're back with Katara and Sokka and Aang. And Katara, once she knows that he's an airbender, she she does sort of kind of casually as they're on Appa's back heading for the, the, the village, she does ask him, you know, do you, have you ever met the Avatar? You know, he was an airbender. You were frozen in this ice. You know, have you heard about him? And Aang really gets uncomfortable and just flat out lies, right? He just absolutely lies and says, oh, yeah, no, I, I didn't really, you know, I don't know him. Uh, heard about him. Heard about him. He's an imperfect avatar right he's an imperfect hero and by the way anybody who is listening to me say that who either is mad at Korra or thinks she's obnoxious I know I know that I'm saying that Aang is an imperfect avatar and he is way more perfect than Korra so I'm with you my friends I'm with you don't beat me up I'm with you <laughs> well the thing is I think no one understood that would know that the avatar would be a boy right I, I even as an audience I mean now to, we know the whole story we're watching we know in the inside I think I'm trying I was trying to put myself into the to the head of someone watching this for the first time when it's like that's a great mm, point. who is this kid you know that's um, a great i don't point. think anyone thinks about it like i think we did, all didn't know that was he was actually the avatar till later on just he's just a kid that kind of yeah. got stuck in some ice possibly yeah. i don't know no i think that's a great point and i think it, it speaks to the recurring theme that we have in this episode and that we have all through the series which is uh they are just kids Right. I mean, they, they, he is just a kid. He's also the avatar, but he's still a kid. And how do we balance? Because I think a lot of young people um, can relate to the idea of feeling like things hit you that you maybe don't feel ready for. And what do we do with that? If we are kids still, how do we balance? Right. Being 
this this young person who just kind of still wants to be a kid, but circumstances put something in our in, in our way in our lives that we have to cope with, that we have to deal with, and find a way to to we have to be grown up about that, but also not lose our childhood. And that's big stuff, I know, but I think this show uh, tackles it, and that's stuff we'll be talking about through the season of the podcast. I I agree. I think one of the reasons why the show has scaled again throughout this last year is that put in, in specific point where. You know, it's that, that old concept of the kids will lead us. The kids will save us. And we saw it in countless marches and protests, countless, you know, the young girl talking about environmentalism, about saving the planet. It's not the adults leading us. It's it's the kids that are going to save us. And I think this kind of show resonates that that message. And, and not even that message, that reality. I love you so much right now. I, like, I'm choked up. I'm so glad you brought it back to this just this last year and one of the reasons why when the show came out on Netflix it just like soared through even more popularity than it already had I think I love everything you said I don't want to expound on it because you said it brilliantly perfectly and you're my friend and I'm proud okay so So then Aang has this nightmare right and I I like to think that part of that is guilt because he did not tell Katara the truth, but also trauma. This kid has really gone through it. He's been, he doesn't even know totally. how long Plus you find out later he's hiding. He is kind of hiding. He kind of is a coward. I mean, I'm not just being Zuko now, <laughs> right, but I'm being Zuko a little bit. Like we're yeah. homies and everything. We become yeah. homies, we know that, but guess what? I have my faults. This young dude, also coward, ran from his responsibilities. We find that out later on. We not, we'll get there. You know what I'm saying? I could not imagine doing anything other than me being like, I mean, this might not be for me. I guess I'm just going to go with Appa and like do some flying around and maybe eventually I'll get around to being the Avatar cut to 100 years later. That's called putting your head under the covers. It's intimidating to say the least. Now, I said my father got burned in the face. You could do some (laughs) savings of the world. (laughs) Spoiler alert. So we find out even more in the nightmare, right? Again, this is the first episode of this show, and we find out even more. He's got his nightmare state. We see him in the storm with Appa. He gets separated from Appa. They both tumble into the water, and this very interesting thing happens, which is that it appears that Aang loses consciousness, right? I mean, his eyes close. He goes limp. His Underwater posture is not great, to go back to your point. He's floating down. Manatee. Manatee-like. <laughs> Manatee-like. I say floating down. Is that really work? I feel like floating is, it means that you're going up or you're staying the same place. He but he's sort of drifting down. He, was, down. he wasn't then, swimming. That's right. He was not swimming. Thank you, my friend. He was not swimming. And he does not appear to be conscious. And yet, all of a sudden, his eyes open. He's He's got the glow. And suddenly this is he possessed? You know, we don't is, know. Is he What's happening? And then, you know, ultimately we figure out that he made this air bubble around himself. Um, but that plants a very early seed of the question of what is this thing that happens to him? Is it him? Is it him consciously making the decision to do that? Or does something older and 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 connected to something in the past kind of switch on on his behalf and we don't find that out uh, in this episode right right but we do see it being the first i guess avatar state we don't know it's the avatar state but it's the right. first avatar state in the show i mean and well, we see him he's, triggers... he's got the glowing eyes when he comes up from the yeah 
on the ice. But we don't know how that happened or what that means at all. We don't see it turn right, on, right. to your point. Right. So Aang wakes up from his nightmare. He's in a tent. He's in the Southern Water Tribe, um, Sokka and Katara's tribe. He meets Grand Grand. I love Grand Grand. I love Grand Grand. He shows off his airbending, right? And all the little kids are. All the little kids cute. love him. He's oh, like a. So he's a party trick guy. He, yeah, you know, he's the kids super love him. Fun. He's like a magician. Especially because it seems like Sokka is so. And we see this. Up, uh, coming up in the episode too he is like drilling these kids you know he is he is trying to keep these kids safe but he is having to talk to them like they're soldiers and they're these, these tiny kids and so ang comes along and he's super fun he's trying to make warriors out of these children i know i know which is hilarious and also heartbreaking because you see why it matters i know when a certain person's ship does a certain something that i'm too mad to even talk about. i know i know i know i know but this is the deal. As heavy as that is, and as funny as this show is, it does, again, mark on things that go on in the world. Kids having to become soldiers. I mean, it, it, it t the show touches on so many things that happen globally, but in this very light way of, of but real, it's still, it's still in the show and really kind of bringing things to light, which is an amazing part of the show still. Oh, see, that is so brilliantly said. In fact, I think we need to take a break to let that sink in or float in. I don't know. It could be a new saying. Or float like, in. Or a report, Pretty right? <laughs> so we'll take a break and then we'll come <laughs> back to talk about the last part of The Boy in the Iceberg. No, power in firebending comes from the breath, not the muscles. The breath becomes energy in the body. The energy extends past your limbs and becomes fire. Okay, so let's talk about the last part of The Boy in the Iceberg. We finally made it to the last third. <laughs> the last, that's act three. You're so smart. Uh, you use big words like act. Let's start it from the scene where we see, we teased it a little bit earlier, but we see Zuko practicing his firebending. That's pretty powerful stuff. That's an amazing kind of, whoa, whoa. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I almost had to lean back from the screen the first time I saw it. Like, whoa, that's different than airbending and waterbending. What's happening? Totally. Yeah, we see the waterbending and the airbending early in the episode. Then you see this firebending, which is immediately has a different feel to it. I, I mean, the colors of the world, it feels like the whole tone changes. The music is different. Obviously, his angst, he's, he's angry. I mean, he's he's firebending with a different intention than anything than the 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 wistfulness of what Katara's doing or trying to attempt to do with the water or, or the fun airiness that that Aang is just effortlessly you know making the kids laugh and doing airbending stuff. No, this kid is like trying to destroy things. Start to understanding his pathologies. Already talking about this avatar. He's kind of obsessed with this thing you kind of start getting a feel of I don't know if you really see him being banished yet but you you, you get a feel that there's a some kind of rift in his world and what he's trying to do yeah. um but you also get the sense that he's this teenage kid that's kind of not all good at the moment yeah. but he's a firebender and he and has what, power amongst absolutely. this absolutely he's clearly I mean I think it's clear that he's very like that he's powerful whether or not he's honed that craft and of course we hear uncle iroh say you know you're you're doing you're coming at this not from exactly the right place and these are the things you have to perfect right. like even in this scene 
you know, when he's fighting the soldiers, right, he's just practicing against right. these soldiers, It you don't get the sense that his anger is not malicious or sadistic. Do you know what I mean? In the way that he's not smirking to himself as he hits a fireball and knocks a soldier right. over. It's clear that seems like he's looking in the big picture. He's looking long past this moment of knocking a soldier over. They're collateral damage, right? I mean, that's kind of the, the feeling. They're collateral you get. damage. You don't get the feeling that he's enjoying it. He's just like, I got to get this right so that the thing I actually care about can happen and I can do it right. It's not about, I want to hurt you. I want to hurt you. Back here, I also want you to be hurting. It's not that, right? It's more utilitarian. No, it's than not that. that but, but he's still a jerk. I mean, we, we still jerk. Like, Touché. I've been, I've studied martial arts growing up, and I've been on sets in action scenes with stuntmen, and we've all gone through the paces with all these guys. And you know the guy who's strong, who's just being a jerk. Like, why are you hitting everybody so damn hard, bro? Like, yes, you understand that we're not at war right now. Like, I'm, we're practicing. Yes. You know, practicing. Yes. <laughs> And so Zuko, yeah, granted he has all that stuff going on, he's still, he's a jerk. Like, (laughs) dude, yeah, you may have long-term perspective, but you're also hurting people that are, like, working for you and working with you right now. And, you know, it's not like Iroh is such a good guy that he's like, hey, you're hurting those guys. It's not really that. He's aloof about it. He's a little aloof. But his his response is more just like, okay, well, we'll do it, but I, we're going to do it at my pace because first I'm going to eat my roast duck, right? So he's he's sort right. of with Zuko. He's kind of his foil, but he's not like laying down the line. He's still a man of privilege. He's still a man Agreed. of privilege. Great point. The both people of privilege in that world, whether banished or not, it's seen. And... Spoiler alert, later on in the story, we get to see some of that breakdown, especially with Iroh and Zuko. But yeah, they're, they're, they're people of privilege in the world, and they act in a privileged kind of way in the things that they're doing, even on the ship, practicing and studying with other people. They're like yeah. not treating anybody really that kindly. Genius. Very, very, very good point. Um, so then we go back to, to Sokka. We see Sokka, like we were talking about before. We, we tease this out, that, that we see him trying to talk to these little boys uh, about warfare until they all have to pee and leave. And Aang is hilarious. Out, the outhouse. So right? cute. And, and, uh, and Sokka just keeps getting kind of more and more frustrated as they see that the kids are enjoying being with Aang. Like you said, you know, he's the, he's the fun one, right? He's fun. He's the avatar. And he doesn't know anything about a war. He's very naive. <laughs> he's a naive he's 12 how old is he right now 12 112 113 uh-huh. <laughs> yeah yeah but he doesn't even know there's a war and Sokka's like this can't even be real like he can't be serious that he doesn't know there's a war that's our whole our whole life is affected the whole world I is know. affected by this war how could he not essentially know? they're they're in a post-apocalyptic world at the moment like in their world you know Good point. this is like post whatever especially for the airbenders which we don't like to talk about, they haven't revealed yet, but there's no more of them. I mean, he's it's called Avatar The Last Airbender. You want to talk about pathos, like you brought up. You want to talk about heavy stuff. It's right in the title. The Last Airbender, that can't be good. <laughs> that can't be good when you're the last one. The last manatee is a sad manatee. Aww. I don't ever want there to be a last manatee. They're too sweet and cute. <laughs> so I'm just having this aha moment that I 
you see something new every time you watch the show, if you watch an episode over and over. And for some reason, this last time I watched it, what really stood out to me was this kind of cool parallel between Iroh and Aang, and then a similar parallel between Zuko and Sokka, because Iroh and Aang... Aang's like, I'm just about having fun. Come on. This is fun. This is whimsical. Let's not think about war. And, you know, you have uh, Iroh sort of doing a bit of the same thing, right? He's like, relax. We'll get there. You may not even find the Avatar. Maybe maybe you can't even beat him. Let's have some roast duck and play a game. And then meanwhile, here you have this parallel between these two characters who are so diametrically opposed, right? Especially for what happens when Zuko crashes his ship into totally. thing, which which is like Sokka's like, come on, come on, come on, we got to get ready. And Zuko is also going, come on, come on, come on, we got to get ready. So there's really kind of a cool parallel there with two very different characters. It's very true. And it's so, I mean, like, we don't even know how cool Iroh is at this moment. He's just like this blundering uncle Ugh. that does not take anything seriously, which is, I mean, I guess Sokka, I mean, Sokka's taking things seriously, but he's still blundering around. But, I mean, we just don't even know how cool Uncle Iroh actually is. Foreshadow report. It's crazy. Wait, you'll see. You'll see. So Sokka's, Sokka's in his frustrated place. Aang's already obsessed with getting on some uh, penguins. And uh, he's he just takes off. And, and then Katara ends up joining him. This is the opportunity for Katara to ask Aang, will he teach her to waterbend? And what does he say? He says no. I mean, he, he's not a waterbender. He doesn't know how to. <laughs> he can't. He's like, I'm a, I bend air. I can bend that water with air. How about, how about that? You At least he's a, a bender, though. At least he's a bender. I mean, what else she got? Who else? I know, sure, because at this point, we don't know he's the Avatar yet. So, right. I mean, he actually can bend water, but we don't know that. No one knows that. That's right. We don't even know what bending is 100% at this moment <laughs> in time. Really? <laughs> Touche. Touche. But we do know that there is, there's no one else around her that can bend. So basically, nobody in that whole damn tribe, there's only like 15 of them that tribe. A, that tribe, the, that southern Wadern tribe, is very small. It's a village. I mean, it's, it's very tiny. And so nobody, Graham Graham can't bend nothing. Graham she can't, can't bend, bend a friggin' thimble of water. <laughs> nope. She might be able a thimble. Come on, Graham Graham. A thimble? <laughs> you might be able to bend that just by blowing on it, but I guess that's basically airbending, so never mind. <laughs> you know, I could probably bend a thimble yeah, by blowing on it. <laughs> yeah, she's got this is her best this is her best bet. And Aang's like, I can't I don't know how to do that, but what about you brought it up, Dante? What about the Northern Water Tribe? She's like, Oh, we haven't I haven't had any we haven't had any contact with them. We have not yeah. been in touch with the water the Northern Water Tribe. And he's like, I'm going to hook you up. Yeah, exactly. That's like people from L.A. going, I've never been in New York. What are they doing in New York? Oh, New York, they're killing the game out there. Well, I- I've never been there. And then Aang is like, guess what? I'm from Chicago, the Windy City, but <laughs> me and New York is cool. So basically, I'm going to take you from down south to New York. Some I'm going to show you the bright lights, big city. That's right. That's right. So we see this bond forming between Aang and Katara. And so they're hanging, they're sliding, they're sliding. They're having a and great flirtations, time. And flirtations. Katang, and flirtations. Katang. Ding. Katang. I mean, Katang. I mean, maybe Aang sees it as a flirtation. I don't know if Katara would say that she's flirting with Aang. I don't know if she sees Katang yet. I know okay. she doesn't. He is. I'll though. say, I will back up by saying I don't, I feel strongly that she does not realize there's a Katang. 
She doesn't realize. She's like, this is a hundred twelve year old boy looking at me with those big eyes. Like hey. <laughs> she didn't even know he's a hundred. I guess that's this, this kind of is where they figure out that how old he is, right? She does that. You're exactly yeah. right. This is the time when they come across this shipwrecked fire navy ship, which we find out has been sort of this thing that's been haunting her tribe for generations because it represents everything that has gone wrong with the Fire Nation and what they've tried to do. The Fire Nation Navy traveled all over the seven seas or however many seas there are in the Avatar verse. <laughs> Maybe four seas, there's four elements. I don't know how many seas there are. But guess what? My ship was all over that place. I was cruising around for days, weeks, looking, searching. And that smoke they're pumping out of their ships does not seem good for the environment. I'll go on record. <laughs> I don't know what kind of coal they're burning. I don't know. <laughs> so Fossil <defensive>. fuel. <laughs> I don't know what that was. The kind of coal a jerk would burn because he doesn't care. <laughs> uh. I mean, definitely coal burning ships. Yeah. And so Aang wants to explore the ship. And Katara says, no, I, this is a really bad idea. It could be you booby trapped. And he says, if you want to be a bender, you have to let go of your fear. Which is a great theory. It's a great like. Oh, that's so cool. It was but charming like, too. You're calling her a wimp. Like you're. Yeah, he kind of was hitting her with like a little Han Solo, Indiana Jones kind of charm. Like, well, if you want to be a hero, then let's go be a hero. That's right. You know. That's right. You think you got the right stuff or what? And yeah. then for that moment, you're like, yeah, come on, let's go do yeah. this. Who wouldn't? Hey, you couldn't say no. You can't say yeah. no. Booby trap, schmooby trap. What are the chances? It's not going to be booby trapped. Uh-oh. Yeah, it's been sitting there for years. It's been sitting there for friggin' 50 years since whenever it invaded. And yet. But guess and what? It's a booby trap. We've seen now, those movies. Those booby traps last a long time. Yeah, we saw Indiana Jones. You said it. There's all kinds of stuff that you could trigger. The dead. That stuff's like a tripwire. That lasts forever. Don't you worry. It's going to last forever. I know. Um, and they're gonna... so scientifically advanced in those cultures. I mean, they got stuff doing <laughs> stuff right. that I didn't know. Ah, how did they create right. that back in the days before oh, electricity? I don't know. It's so cool. It really makes me wish that I had skills to do anything with my hands. And I, and I'm You do. You're Cora. You have all the skills all rolled into if one. Only that were true. If only that were true. I do also want to point out, and this is something I'd love for the fans to respond to, in that moment when they're in the ship and you see all these awesome cinematic angles where they're, you know, they come in, you see them, like you're looking down on them or you're looking at them as they go through the, the guts of this metal ship. There are these two little critters who very quickly scamper by their white, and I don't know what hybrid animals those are, but I would love to be educated by our friends, the fandom, uh, what are those little guys? Because they they screw by so fast, I can't tell. So that's my that's my I'm I'm dying to know. I don't tell remember. Me, I don't remember them. I gotta go back and look. It at happens that. real fast. But as I am obsessed with Animal Crossing, as we call it in this in this show, I do want to know what they are. Animal Crossing. So we they, he, they do set a booby trap uh, off the the beam of light goes crazy, sends up everything. This is the beam of light. This is a bit. This is a big guy. Everybody. And so now Zuko's set. Like, he already saw one beam of light. Now he's got, like, the Fire Nation ship booby trap beam of light. That's like, hey. He's like, I know what's going down. The Avatar has returned. So it triggers the the alert. And now it's only a matter of time, right, before Zuko. In fact, Zuko sees. He's got his, his, uh, I was going to say spyglass, right? He's got his telescope. He's got a spyglass. I love that he has a spyglass. He has a spyglass. He's on a ship. He got a spyglass. I mean, where else would you need one of those things? Only if you own a ship. 
Probably and guess what? There. We got one. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> but then all of a sudden it's like, bam, he's like, the avatar is back. Unk, let's go. Wake my uncle. Tell him I found the avatar. And that's when his uncle's like, calm down, Zuko. Because he can see them, right? Is that I mean, He can see their little silhouette. Because they, they get trapped in the ship, but then Aang airbends them up to the top of the ship through a hole in the ceiling. So he can see, he can literally not just see the beam, but he can actually see the figures of Aang. I'm, pl- I'm holding up my hands like get, I'm playing with tiny yes. dolls. But he can see the little You're, figures walking up there. He's like, and to your point, he's like, I got you. I imagine it's like, you know, when you drive to Vegas... And you're coming over that hill, that last hill heading into Vegas, and you see the light of the Luxor Casino, the pyramid. Yep. And there's yep. like a beam of light, swing, and you're like, the Avatar's over there, you guys. I know. <laughs> I don't know many things. But I know we need to go to where that light's at, because maybe I'm going to win some money there. I was going to say, I that was a genius marketing technique on behalf of the Luxor. That's like a very, yeah. that's like... That's pretty, like, um, egotistical in a way that it's, like, very confident to be like, hey, we're going to shoot a beam of light into the air that is more remarkable than anything else you will see from a distance at this place. Why wouldn't you want to go there? Why wouldn't you think, exactly. like, well, that's got to be the place to be? That's some that's some genius marketing on their part. That was genius. Unless you're an avatar who's trying to hide from a bad guy, in which case, right, right, probably right. not great to be in that pyramid. But that's the look. The that's what I felt what was happening for Zuko. He's like, the Luxor is that way. (laughs) Big money, big money, big money. Big money, big money, big money. That's right. And of course the episode ends with a to be continued. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. It's a major cliffhanger. Which is great. I know. All of a sudden the audience, we're like, we're in. I'm in. I don't know what's going on, but I'm in. It's so good. It's so, so, so well-crafted. We finished recapping the first episode, The Boy in the Iceberg. We made it through the first one, Varney. We made it through the first episode. That's very threatening. I'm Now I'm scared that we're not going to make it through many more. That was uh, very intimidating. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, I'm just going to pat ourselves on the back. We made it through the first one. And now that we have kind of a the big picture of what happens in the episode. Let's just take a moment to talk about another regular segment we're going to have in Braving the Elements. It's going to be our official MVB moment. MVB. MVB, right? Most Valuable Bending Moment. I am the greatest earthbender in the world. Exactly right. And so we talked before and we kind of already figured out who we believe wins this episode, right? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's without question Qatar. Right, Katara finding Aang, and kind of, I mean, actually, it's even an accidental bend. She's not even really meaning right. to bend. It's like without her, even trying, she becomes the key to the entire show. It's actually the MVB of the entire show, if you think about it. And honorable mention goes to Sokka because Sokka actually uh, pisses her off and gets her to bend accidentally. I'm very glad you said that, my friend, because. We also have the MVNB moment every episode because we love, love, love our non-benders in the Avatarverse as well, okay? So we're going to have our most valuable non-bending moment each episode too, and I think you call it out right here this time who gets our most valuable non-bending moment. The great water tribe member, Sokka. You know, he he gets a statue for just emotion bending his sister to <laughs> accidental water bending 
the avatar out of the block of ice. That's right. We'd have no show. We'd have no we'd have no podcast, we'd have no series, we'd have nothing. We start the whole series off in this whole MVB and MVNB with the actual MVBs of the whole entire series. I mean, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? I'll tell you what. I believe, foreshadow report, that we will find some other valuable bending moments from people who are not necessarily Katara. And I believe we'll have some very important non-bending moments from people who are not Sokka. But I agree with you that they hands down win this episode right. and set the tone for the entire show. And to your point, kind of make the entire story possible at all. I'm a bet that Sokka has a lot of MVNBs throughout this podcast. I'm I, just going to bet up front. I cannot like, bet against it's you. It's a front runner. I cannot bet for, against you. For most non-bending moments, Sokka. To quote you earlier in this episode, we'll, we'll see. see. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> and then the last thing I want to talk about with you, my friend, is I think one of the things that we need to make sure to do every episode of Braving the Elements is to reflect back on kind of the big picture life lessons that we take away from each episode because I'm sure we both agree that the Avatarverse has a lot of layers. So there are small moments, there are funny moments. We also have big life lesson stuff that we can take away from these episodes. I think the number one big one is the one that you brought up so brilliantly, which is this idea of the kids' children being our future and how how it's difficult to be a child, but also sometimes their greatest hope lies there um i love that so i say that's our big lesson yes. learned for this episode big lesson learned and we're foreshadow alerting that these kids are you know it's a, it's a it's a it's a coming of age story and they're gonna especially katara and Sokka will be kind of going through through one of the, the points of kind of the coming of age very shortly wow that takes us to the end of our very first episode i'm so happy that we get to do this together it just i got so excited thinking about all the episodes we have to come and um i want to thank you for being here my buddy because this is awesome thank it's you give me a reason to see you all the time since we can't do cons no barney i'm so excited um i'm excited that you and i are going to become avatar the last airbender experts yeah connoisseurs if That's you will. Right. We, i mean not only are we a uh, voice talent with a lot of help. <laughs> with a lot of help. I think a lot of a lot of the fandom out there is going to appreciate that we're finally going to understand the show that we're on, That's which right. is great. So I'm That's looking right. forward to it. All right, everyone. We will talk to you next time on Braving the Elements. New episodes out every Tuesday. But to celebrate our premiere week, we are going to drop our next episode this Friday, a conversation with Mike DiMartino and Brian Kanetsko. Yay! the creators of this Avatarverse. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Yes, great, great fandom, especially the Firebenders and the okay, Fire well, Nation. All right. Well, we can Shout talk out about to the Fire Nation. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, and everybody else, you guys are cool too. Really, Bosco? You want to alienate all the other nations? Really? Shout I'm out just to shouting the Fire out the Fire Nation and all the Firebenders out there because I know they appreciate it, you know. Yeah. Feeling I mean, nice through a lot of the series, but there's some nice people in the Fire Nation. <laughs> I don't disagree. <laughs>